Before we begin today's episode, we just wanted to make note that this episode was previously recorded. And the topic of this episode, it does seem a bit out of place that we are not mentioning the events that are happening around us in terms of the evil that we're seeing in the world. And that is because the information that we have today was not made available to us at the time of this recording. If you haven't had a chance to catch up on the Her and Him podcast, we encourage you to go back to episode 7 and listen to that podcast as it does discuss the racial injustices that are happening around us. Just with that note in mind, we hope you enjoy this episode and let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Her and Hip Podcast. I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And when two theologians get married, what you get is a podcast. Well, in times of crisis, we're always grappling for the right thing to say, right? Right. And sometimes we hit the mark with that and other times... Times we are not so helpful. We think we're being helpful and encouraging and uplifting, and it isn't as helpful as we would have hoped. Yeah, and I think right now, as we're continuing to deal with COVID-19, obviously we're kind of, seems like we're coming out on the other end of it right now, but there's still a lot of trauma. There's still a lot of devastation. I think a lot of people are trying to find words of comfort right now for families who've lost people or families who have just been affected pretty dramatically by COVID-19. And so we see this need for words of comfort or words of wisdom. And I think people are, are grappling with that and they're trying to find those words right now. And as Christians, sometimes we can give canned answers a little bit, you know, well, we'll get through this, or um, it's just a season. There's just phrases we try and say that we think are going to be comforting, we think are going to be helpful, um, and sometimes they're not. Right, and I think one thing that is often said in the midst of a crisis, whether it's uh, you lost your job, or someone in your family died, or there's some kind of tragedy, or there's some kind of moment where you're really experiencing some kind of trauma is that uh, a well-meaning person will come up to you and say, everything happens for a reason. I've been on the receiving end of that during a very difficult situation when my mom passed away. I had heard friends or acquaintances come to me and say, everything happens for a reason. And as someone who's on the receiving end of that during a really, really hard time, that's not comforting at all. Especially during this time as someone, their loved one is sick or has died. They've lost their job. They are experiencing thoughts of suicide or someone in, in their life has succumbed to suicide or uh, whatever it might be. These you know really tragic events in our life for someone to say everything happens for a reason. You can kind of just respond to that and say like really like what reason is behind this what what good reason would there be for this we really kind of wrestle with that and really what we want to talk about today is a pandemic the will of god and really is anything evil or tragic or bad the will of god 
And this is a complicated question, and we don't necessarily have all of the answers, but I think a, a, a good place to start is to ask, why is it that evil exists in the world? That is a really good question to begin with. I think a lot of people, Christian or non-Christian, find themselves asking this question and saying, if God is so good, then why is there so much evil in the world? Why does he not just wipe out all of the evil and only have goodness? You can certainly take this conversation and find yourself going down many different rabbit holes. And there's so many nuances to the conversation as well, because each example that you bring forth might seem to take you down a different path of where that conversation is going to go. But I think it's important to remember that it was never supposed to be this way. This was never what God created from the beginning. Right. And, and I think a big question for unbelievers or people who are struggling with their faith is, how is it that there is a good God and yet there's evil that exists in the world? Either he is authoring that evil or he's allowing that evil or he's unable to stop that evil. How is there a good God uh, and yet there's still evil in the world? And I think the, the answer to that is that it wasn't supposed to be this way, right? Right. And we can see that in Genesis 1 and 2 when God created the world. After each day, one of the repeated phrases is, and he looked and saw that it was good. When he created man, they actually said, and it was very good. Right. Only for man was it very good, and for everything else was good. So we can see since the beginning of creation, God had intended for it to be good, and he had created it to be good. And then sin and death entered into the world, and what is commonly labeled as the fall, right. which is when... Adam and Eve had disobeyed God and sin had entered into the world. Yeah, and it kind of broke the bubble of the very good that God had created. He had created this, you know, perfect system that existed in harmony and it was good and very good. And then when sin entered the world, it ruptured that sense of there's this Hebrew word shalom that's it means peace. And it's peace not just in the sense of the absence of violence or conflict, but it's peace in the sense that there's a wholeness. There's kind of a structural integrity to the way the world was supposed to function and the way he fashioned it to. But when sin entered the world, that's when death entered the world. That's when you know pain and suffering entered the world and disease and famine and murder and theft. And you see that even in chapter 4 of Genesis, where chapter 3 of Genesis, you see the fall where sin entered the world. And in chapter 4, we already see our first murder being recorded through the sons of Adam and Eve. And so it, it, it broke what was supposed to be there. And our souls kind of know that that's the way it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be this good, perfect, harmonious environment. And it bothers us that it's not that way. And a lot of times we'll look and say, well, if God is so good, then why is there evil in the world? And kind of the response to that is, well, who told you that evil was bad? Who told you that it wasn't supposed to be this way other than someone who created you with the intrinsic knowledge that it's not supposed to be this way? But then why is it this way? It's because we allowed sin to enter into the world. But now we have these 
what Erwin McManus calls phantom pains of the soul, where we long for what we never knew, but collectively as humanity, we still remember the way it was supposed to be. So kind of like the way that if you were in an accident or if you're a soldier or you had some kind of medical complication where you needed a limb amputated from your body, uh, people, they report feeling pain in the area that is no longer there. Like if the lower half of your leg is gone, they report feeling pain in their calf after that limb has been gone even for uh, an extended period of time, it's this phantom pain that they feel because their brain says there's something that should be there and it's not, and that's causing me pain. In the same way, we know that the world should be whole, that there should be goodness and justice, that there shouldn't be suffering and evil, and the fact that wholeness is absent, it causes us pain because we know that it should be there, And the reason we know it should be there is because God has planted that within us. We're the ones that ruined it. And all of this is pointing us back to Jesus. And he came to fix this massive problem that we're sitting in and fix something that we could never fix on our own. As individuals, we could never redeem the problem that has been set forth thousands of years ago now, and even in our own personal lives, we can't even redeem ourselves from our own personal sin. So not only is it this worldwide sin of all of humanity that's this problem, but each of us as individuals are contributing to that in some way. And it's easy to look and say, well, I'm a good person and everyone else is really screwed up. But then you're not really understanding sin and you're not really understanding the weight of sin. And that is why Jesus came. He came to overcome sin and death by the power of his death and resurrection. And he solved that problem for us. And he has allowed us to enter back into this relationship with God that was that was ruined and this wedge that was created and this wall that was built between us has now been broken down so we can actually enter into relationship with God. Yeah, and I think it's so important to catch that Jesus didn't come to just forgive us of our sins only in a judicial sense because we were bad boys and girls, and now he wants to bring us back into good standing, although that that is part of it. But in another sense, there was this existential brokenness that came with sin. And, you know, so many human institutions are trying to kind of keep this at bay, where we're trying to enforce laws, where we're trying to make medical advances, where we're trying to create systems where poverty won't be an issue. And we're trying all these things, and we can kind of stem the tide a little bit, but ultimately we're in need of a Savior to fix the fundamental flaws of humanity, and not only of humanity, but all of creation. And so when Jesus came, he reconstituted humanity and, and re, relived out what humanity was intended to be. And then he died paying the penalty of our sin. And then when he rose again, he rose with a resurrection power that is now available to those who follow Jesus, that there's a redemption and a restoration that begins happening when you give your life to Jesus. And then we look forward to the eventual hope where everything will be restored. Jesus will return. 
and everything will be just. It will be good. There will be no war or famine or natural disaster or disease or whatever it might be. We'll get back to that sense of shalom. But we are still living in a fallen world. We haven't seen the full redemption of creation yet. And the question that can be asked is, to what measure is God still involved? To what measure is God still pulling the strings as we're continuing to see disasters like COVID-19? And we're seeing death and we're seeing famine and we're seeing abuse and we're seeing all of these evils against humanity, whether it be through natural disaster or human to human. And so we know God's in control, but what exactly is he responsible for making happen if this system is still imperfect. Right, because we know that God is sovereign, and we do know that the brokenness that we experience in the world is not only a natural result of sin, but it's also a judgment for sin. So it's kind of those two senses, where we broke the system, and now the system is breaking us. But also, in the midst of that, there is the truth of the fact that the hurt and the brokenness that we experience uh, from the result of sin is a judgment on humanity. And so the question becomes, did God send a pandemic as a judgment for sin? And if so, did he send it as a judgment for sin just in a general sense, like humanity is sinful and broken, and so here's what's going to happen? Or was it a specific sin? I think these are questions that people are grappling with. And a lot of it boils down to how you understand the sovereignty of God. Well, we know God is sovereign, and what that means is he's in control of everything in the world and everything in creation. But where does that sovereignty play itself out? And where does human freedom enter into the equation? And where does just the natural order and consequences of things play itself out? And so... Um, I think there's a couple different ways that you can look at that. As you're talking about freedom versus God and his sovereignty and him willing something in your life or God ordaining something in your life, this conversation of how much choice do we have as humans and how much is it God moving towards me or how much is it me moving towards God. And so we really have to wrestle with this commonly known as um, Calvinism versus Arminianism. So Calvinism basically means that it's God ordained and it doesn't fully rule out human choice, but it's definitely leaning towards the weightier end of it is ordained by God, irregardless of what man does or doesn't do man can't even move in direction towards God. It is 100% God making those choices and him having those things happen. Where Arminianism would side more towards man choosing. So they would say man can step towards God. Obviously man can't save themselves, but there can be choices that they're moving in the direction of seeking Jesus or moving in the direction of making life choices that would take them further into the step of encountering Jesus. And ultimately, it would be Jesus who saves them. But man's choice played some sort of a role in that decision. 
Yeah, and this debate, it mainly centers around how it is that you come to saving faith. So on the Calvinistic side, it would be, you know, from eternity past, it was ordained that you would come to faith, and God created these events that would come into place. Whereas on the other side of the Arminianism or uh, Wesleyanism is more that God extends the invitation of grace to everybody. You can make a move towards God, and he's ultimately the one that draws you in. But there is a, a lot more room for human choice. And so even though it kind of centers on the way we come to saving faith, this conversation is a much broader conversation because depending on which camp you lean towards or are firmly entrenched in, it really determines the way you understand God's sovereignty in all things. I once heard someone say that it's not so much about the five points of Calvinism as it is the 500 points of Calvinism. And I think the other side is true. It's not the five points of Arminianism. It's the 500 points of Arminianism where it really colors everything that you understand about the world. And so really, if you emphasize God's sovereignty in this pandemic, you say you might say that God sent the pandemic or that this pandemic is a, a judgment for man's sinfulness. Maybe not specific sin, but I don't think many people would say that. I mean, there are some. There are some out there, but I think probably most Calvinists who are genuinely trying to wrestle with this would not call out someone's specific sin and say God has sent this pandemic down to smite you, that wouldn't be an accurate representation of what a Calvinist would understand. They would say it would be a larger action from God in, in relation to the worldwide general sin. Mm-hmm. But also that he specifically had ordained this pandemic in order to bring about a good purposes as we know in Romans 8:28 says God works through all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose and i think both sides of this equation would come to that verse and say listen god is working good through all things even this pandemic to bring about good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose maybe not good in the moment but an eternal good right both sides would certainly say that God is working good out of this moment, whether you would sit on the Calvinist side where it would be God who actually sent this pandemic to deal with sin, or the Arminian side that would say this is just the natural act of the fallenness of our world. Like this is just what happens when you're living in a fallen world. Right. And so it's not necessarily that God had sent this very specific action, but he did allow it to happen through the sequences that would naturally play out through the brokenness and the fallenness of our world. So that would really be the two views. Yeah. So kind of the one side would say God sent this pandemic in order to bring about good. The other side would say this pandemic is evil it wasn't sent by God, but God will use it to bring about good. So those are kind of the two sides of things. What what side of things would you kind of fall on? <laughs> you really just put me on the spot there. I would probably naturally fall more towards the Arminian side of things. Um, just saying that this is sort of a natural occurrence of the fallenness and the brokenness of the world that we are in. It does seem a little bit more difficult for me to understand this pandemic as something very specifically brought on into our world by God 
then you have so many other questions that kind of open up out of that in terms of all other bad things that happen in the world. So people that are being abused um, or other tragic things that are happening out of this pandemic itself. I mean, you have suicide rates that are higher. You do have abuse that is higher. You do have drug abuse, alcohol abuse, uh, physical abuse. Like there's a lot of things that have grown during this time and it does become a little bit more difficult for me and the way that I understand scripture to say that God is intentionally bringing each thing, each one of those things into someone's life. I do think I can look to scripture and say, I understand how the fallenness of the world opens up these sequence of events to happen. Based on my understanding of scripture, that seems to be uh, a better explanation of what's happening. But where would you sit? I definitely sit there, but I think if you would have asked me a few years ago, I would have leaned more towards a more heavy-handed understanding of God's sovereignty. And I think there is a biblical support for that understanding where it's not outside of God's character to send something that's evil. Like he sent 10 plagues to Egypt. He sent famine to Israel. He sent enemy armies that came and brought them into exile. And all of these things were, were judgment on their sin. However, we don't have some kind of prophet that's coming to us now and saying that this natural disaster, this pandemic, this war is a specific judgment of God on a specific sin. Whereas in, in all those other situations, that's the way it was, that there was a prophet that came that said, listen, if you don't shape up, then there is this judgment that is coming, this very real judgment, and it's ordained by God. It will be an evil thing that happens to you as a judgment to basically point you back to God in order to come into right relationship with him. So we do see the biblical support of that. I don't know that that necessarily translates, but then the rebuttal back towards that's like, well, isn't, is God not in charge of everything? Is he not sovereign over everything? Certainly God is, is sovereign over all of it, but I think that there is room for understanding the fact that, that things just happen. And, it is important to say that there's nothing that happens outside of his knowledge and there's nothing that happens outside of him allowing it to happen. So though he he might not necessarily be the one who has sent the pandemic, you definitely would not be able to get around the fact that he has allowed this pandemic to happen. And I think those are two different ways of viewing it, but certainly understanding the sovereignty of God to say that the pandemic has caught him by surprise would be a large misunderstanding of who God is and the fact that nothing happens in our lives or on this earth without him allowing it to happen. Yeah. I think another part of the argument on the more kind of heavy handed side of the sovereignty conversation is also an understanding that God has the right to to do what he will. Certainly. He has the right to yes. judge a sinful humanity. He has the right to bring about pain in light of that that sin and that judgment. However, I don't necessarily think that that's what's happening right now in a very specific sense. Again, going back to the, the fact that living in a broken world is its own punishment. You know what I mean? Like sin is its own punishment and the effects of sin are their own punishment. So it's kind of two sides of that coin. If that makes sense. It does. I think it's important to to think through this and to wrestle with it, but also to understand the one thing that we do know for certain about this pandemic is that God will bring good of this pandemic. Right. 
And I think one uh, story where we see this tension is in Genesis, in the story of Joseph, where Joseph went through an incredible amount of suffering. He was given dreams, prophetic dreams that he shared with his brothers and, and his parents, and they didn't like that. And so his brothers literally sold him into slavery. And when he was a slave, he was a good worker. He kind of rose among the ranks and, and gained a lot of responsibility. And he was just a, a really faithful guy. His master's wife tried to sleep with him, and he rejected her because he knew that, like, I'm not going to sleep with with my master's wife, that's wrong. And so her, in feeling humiliated and embarrassed, basically accused him of attempted rape, and then he was put in prison. And then there was these two guys in prison, and they said, help us interpret our dreams. And he did, and he was helpful to them. And then he said, when you get out of here, remember me, and tell other people about me that I'm, I'm not going to be forgotten in this dungeon. And they're like, yeah, we'll do that. And then they didn't. And so he went through all these years of just wrongful, nonsensical suffering. But then finally he was able to interpret one of Pharaoh's dreams. And he ended up being put in a position where he was, other than Pharaoh, pretty much the most powerful man in the world. And because of that, he was able to save the known world, that region at the time, from a famine that would have really just wiped out so many people. There would have been so much death and destruction that came from that. But because of Joseph, it was averted, including his own family. And when his family came to live with him in Egypt, after Joseph's dad died, all his brothers were worried that once dad was gone that he was going to kill them all. But then he said in some of the last verses of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, he says, don't worry, I'm not going to harm you. What you did, you intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. And that's a really important insight into how we can answer these questions of why do bad things happen to good people or people that didn't actively do anything that you could even see this being a consequence of their sin, or you see this being a consequence of their actions, or this would be the natural next step. Like, obviously, if you are playing with some type of fire, like you're going to get burned. But if you weren't doing any of that, and you're still getting burned, how do we how do we answer these questions? And so this is a valuable insight that scripture gives us, is that there are specific moments in time and even in your own personal life that man is going to mean evil against you. You might see it play out to a certain degree where it does affect you and your life is altered by it. But we are told not to lose heart because God will turn it for good. And so as we wrestle with this topic and the pandemic that's currently happening, some of the practical things that we can pull out of it are that don't assume that every difficult thing in life is God testing your faith to see if you're still worthy or not? That's not the kind of God that we serve. He's not finicky like that and trying to test you or play games with you. And this is something I hear a lot where people say there's something bad going on. And I say, oh, God's testing my faith. He's just testing me to see. And there's a certain truth to like difficulties do test your faith and they do purify your faith. 
but God's not sitting there playing games with us, right? Right. And that's important to understand. Like God is for your good and he wants you to have the life that Jesus came to give you. And that's this life of freedom, this life of abundance. And again, as we continue to talk about Jesus giving you this abundant life, it's certainly not in these material things only like the abundance that is only found in Jesus is what he, he wants to give you. And so that doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen. It doesn't mean bad things aren't going to come your way. It doesn't mean you're going to have a job and a steady paycheck every season of life, but it certainly means that God is going to use those very difficult times to have good come out. And you might not be able to see it right away and you might not even see some of those moments and their goodness on this side of eternity. But rest assured, God will see you through and he will bring forth goodness from these difficult times. Right. Even going back to the story of Joseph, it was a decade or more of bad, just bad after bad after bad before he saw God's plan of goodness for it. And so it may be a really long season. It may be a decade. It may be three decades. It may be the remainder of the rest of your life. Yeah. But you can know that God is bringing about good for you and not a temporary kind of good, but really an eternal kind of good, a good that transcends even this life, that that's the kind of good that's coming to you. And even though there's something that originated in the heart of a person that was evil— or originated from the result of living in a broken, fallen world that where evil exists, God could take that evil origin of that event, of that tragedy, of whatever it might be, and he can turn it for good. And that's the power of God's sovereignty, is that regardless of the evil that happens, God can twist it into something that will be for your benefit. And that's only something that God can do because in order for us to see something good come out of something absolutely terrible, there's a lot more knowledge we need to have around that situation for us to turn it around. And I know there's this common saying of us making lemonade out of lemons, which there's certainly some truth to it. But it's really hard if you don't have sugar and water as well. (laughs) Right. Like it's really hard if you don't have the pieces that you need to do that. And that's the great thing about God's sovereignty and fully understanding his sovereignty is you don't have to rely on yourself to make goodness come out of a terrible situation. That is something that God can do and something that he will do even if you don't see it in this moment. Right. And And not to make light of the struggle you're currently experiencing, even in the midst of that, the thing that you can hold on to is that you don't have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Certainly there's things you can do to move towards something good, but it's not relying upon you to make that happen. That even in the darkest of, of times that some who are listening may be experiencing those right now. And we're, we're so sorry that you are, but even in the, the midst of that, there's this hope that you can hold on to that God is working through all things for good. And Paul even calls what you're experiencing right now a light and momentary affliction in light of the glory that is to come, that it's not even worth comparing. Like the measure of ugly you feel at the darkest moment of your life is so small in comparison to the goodness of the glory that's to come 
that it's not even worth making a comparison. And so as you feel the profoundness of despair and suffering, know that it's so small even in comparison to the goodness that is to come. And that's that's a reason for hope. And so regardless of where you are in your theological camp of why this pandemic has come, certainly every Christian could agree because it's written very clearly in scripture that God is working all things for good. And we just want to encourage you today in that even if you're sitting in one of the darkest moments of your life. I know it's not easy to see the goodness of what God is bringing about. And sometimes you don't even want to hear that when you're in in the trenches of it and you're weeping the most ugly cries you've ever weeped before. So I completely understand that. But it is important for us to hold on to that hope and that truth Because regardless of how you feel, that is the truth of who God is. Good will come out of these circumstances because you have a big God who is on your side working out good. Yeah, and so I don't think everything happens for a reason, but I do think that God will bring good out of everything that happens to you. Thanks for listening to the Her and Him podcast. If you enjoyed hanging out with us, consider subscribing to the podcast to receive it automatically each week. We'd also love it if you head over to iTunes to leave us a rating and review. And be sure to come visit us at herandhim.com where you'll find show notes for this episode, our blog, and other resources to help you experience the abundant life that Jesus promised to us. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Hey there, it's Nicole Eunice from the How to Study the Bible podcast, and I'd love to invite you to join us as we weekly discover a passage of God's Word together. From beginning to end, from principles to practicals, we are here to make sure that God's Word is powerful and relevant to your life. If that sounds like something you're looking for, I would love to invite you to subscribe. You can go to lifeaudio.com and search How to Study the Bible, and we'll see you there.